that he saves your soul. Amen. I appreciate that. If you'll stand with us this morning and turn with us to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter number 2. And uh, I prayed about possibly preaching something else this morning, but I tell you, the Lord uh, just directed my heart back last week on Sunday morning. I preached on the signs of a backslider and uh, only got two of those points preached, and I thought about, well, uh, maybe the Lord might want me to preach something else, but I really felt compelled to just go back and to preach some more of this message. I don't know that I'll finish it or that I ever would finish it, but God knows what we need when we need it. Amen? And uh, I need this message. I want to say that to you this morning. Uh, I need this message as much as anybody. But in the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 2, and we'll read just a couple verses of Scripture and then have prayer, and then you can be seated. Jeremiah chapter number 2 and verse number 13. The Bible says, For my people have committed two evils, They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out citrons, broken citrons, that can hold no water. And verse number 19, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. Now look at verse number 27. Saying to a stock, Thou art my father, and to a stone, that thou hast brought me forth, for they have turned their back unto me and not their face. But in the time of their trouble, they shall say, Arise and save us. Father, I want to thank you for the word of God this morning. Thank you for the sweet presence of the Holy Spirit we feel in this place. Oh, God, for the good singing. Lord, we want to thank you for the choir and for those that played the instruments this morning. God, I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. Thank you for the revival meeting, God, how you met with us and blessed the church. I pray that you'll continue to bless this church. And Lord, that greater days would be ahead for the glory and the honor of God. We ask you now to have your way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach this morning again on that subject, the signs of a backslider. The signs of a backslider. And the first thing I want you to see this morning, and it's in verse number 8, The Bible says, the priest said not, where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied by Baal. And the first thing I just want to point out this morning is that as I was reading this text that uh, the Lord directed my thought even to my own self this morning that even as preachers we can backslide. Amen. Uh, the Bible talks about the priests that they they said not where is the Lord and they they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me and the prophets prophesied by Baal. And I think I know there's preachers in this church and I think it's a reminder to every preacher including this pastor this morning that if we're not careful we can backslide. Amen. And it's so easy to see others that when they backslide, but it's so hard sometimes to see ourselves. And that's the problem. Jeremiah is preaching the first of a 12 series message that he gives to the nation of Israel. And he calls out the preachers first. And I think rightfully so that if we're ever going to have real revival and if we're ever going to see God do anything, uh, men of God are going to have to lead the way. Amen. Uh, Brother Danny, I know is not a preacher, but he mentioned this morning about in the revival meeting that one of the things God spoke to him about was being a more spiritual
spiritual Sunday school teacher and I want to second that this morning by saying one of the things that God spoke to me about is being a more spiritual leader, a more spiritual pastor and I'm not telling you that I'm there this morning but I want to be, amen. It's in my heart to want to be uh, what that I may not be this morning but uh, we see that even men of God can backslide but notice what some of the signs of a backslider. I mentioned last week that one of the signs of a backslider is that they start living a vain life, a life uh, uh, that is all about self and then uh, they forget the goodness of God. That was one of the signs of backsliding but if you'll notice with me in the latter part of verse number 8, another sign of backsliding is that they seek things that have no profit. Amen. He said and walk after things that do not profit. Amen. Now in other words it may not be sin and it may not be something that is evil but it is something that has no eternal value. Amen. And can I tell you that there are things that hinder us spiritually uh, that they may not be sin but they have no eternal reward. Amen. We're investing in areas that that we're not seeing any results uh, uh, that's going to be brought forth at the judgment seat of Christ. And God help us in this generation. Uh, We're living in a time when it seems like people are drunken on pleasures. Uh, They're drunken on entertainment. And I don't think there's nothing wrong with good clean entertainment. And there's nothing wrong with good clean uh, uh, pleasures. Amen. But when you get consumed with it and when it becomes a part of your life uh, and you're investing so much time and so much money, it is a thing that has no profit to it. Amen. And boy, isn't that a problem today in America? That Listen, there's so many people that when it comes to certain seasons of life, not just the fall season, am I talking about not just hunting and sports and things of that nature, but there's a long list of things that people indulge themselves in that uh, though that you and I may not know about it, but between them and the Lord, it's something that has no profit to it. And that's a sign of backsliding is when you start seeking after things that have no profit. You know, there are things today... There's something this morning that I was thinking about as I was preparing for this message. There's something that in my life that if the Lord would let me do that, I would do it in a heartbeat. It's not sin. It's not anything that would be wrong. It would just be a hobby. And I'm not saying hobbies are wrong. But for me, this certain hobby would be wrong. You say, preacher, why? I'm not going to tell you what that is this morning, but if you was to do this hobby, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think, Brother Barnes, that you was wrong in what you were doing. But for me, here's why it's wrong. I know my flesh this morning. And I know how much I love this certain thing and how much I loved it at one time in my life. And Brother Jack, if I was to indulge in that again, you know what would happen? I would overindulge in that. I would become so consumed with it, although it may not be something that, it may be something you could handle and something you could do, but it was such a big part of my life at one time, even though it's not sin, it would become such a weight to me spiritually, and I would invest more money than what I'm supposed to invest in it. And so the Lord Lord said, I'm just never going to let you do that. You know why? Because it has no profit. And God would not be pleased with me taking money uh, that I have, that he has given me and he has blessed me with and overindulging money. I would not be a good steward of God's money. And I'm not saying that I always am, uh, but I want to be. Amen. I don't want to waste the, uh, the money that God gives me. If he wants it to go more toward missions, and I want to give it more toward missions. Uh, if he wants me to invest more in the church, then I want to invest more 
going to church, but this particular thing would rob me of the opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. And the end result is, is that it may be a wonderful hobby, but it would have no eternal value. It would be something of no profit. Amen. Now, as sure as I go to doing that, my wife knows what it is. As sure as she ever sees me start going in that direction, she can chalk it up. I have backslid. I may still be preaching the Bible. I may still be pastoring this church. But I have went in a different direction with God. One of the signs of backsliding is that we seek after things. You ought to do an inventory of your life this morning and ask, where do you spend your time? I know you have to work a job, but uh, where do you spend your time, your free time? Where do you invest your money at this morning? How much of that money are you investing? I'm not saying again that entertainment and pleasures that are regulated are sinful within itself, but when it consumes us, when it uh, gets our heart, when it takes too much of our time, when it takes too much of our money, then we are going in the wrong direction. We're not moving forward with God. We're going backward. Amen. And so a sign is that when we seek things that are no profit, a second sign is that backsliders forsake God. Notice our text this morning. He said, for my people have committed two evils. Now, what are they? Number one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. And secondly, they have hewn out citrons, broken citrons that can hold no water. Do you know what the sin here is that they have backslid in the fact that they have forsaken God. They have turned away from God and then they have turned to things uh, that can never hold uh, water. In other words, it can never satisfy them. In other words, it can never uh, it can never bring them stability in life. Is that not the way a lot of people in churches are today? They still sing uh, I surrender all. They still sing as you're all on the altar. They still sing oh how I love Jesus. Uh, but in their heart and the way they live their life, they have turned their back on God. You say, how do you know if you turn your back on God? When you turn to other things, amen? When you give your heart to other things, you rest assured this morning, you have turned away from God, amen? There they have hewn out citrons, broken citrons that can hold no water. The things of this world can never satisfy us. It seems like much of Jeremiah's message contains and deals with worldliness and rightfully so. Because my friend Jesus said uh, no man can serve two masters. Amen. He'll either hate the one or he'll love the other. And then he said you cannot serve God and mammon. Amen. Mammon is the God of money. The God of materials. Uh, what does the system of this world consist of? One of the things uh, is the lust of the eye. Amen. The lust after things. Uh, and what God is saying is if you're going to love me with all of your heart then you cannot uh, listen give your heart to the things of this world. Uh, you and I should ask ourselves a question this morning. Even after a three week revival, we ought to still ask ourselves this question this morning. Have I forsaken God by following after other things this morning? That's a sign of backsliding is when you forsake God. You know, we don't like to think that we have forsaken God. Our knee jerk reaction to that is, oh, I've not forsaken God. But evaluate it this morning. What are you following after? You know, there's nothing wrong with a job, but when a job becomes your God, a job is wrong. And I have seen people use the excuse too many times, well, preacher, you know I have to work. 
And I believe that. I even had a man one time tell me, he said, well, if a man don't work, he don't eat. That's Bible this morning. But when your job becomes your God, I understand sometimes you have to work and miss church. You have no opera, no, no, uh, uh, you have no, uh, choice in that matter. And those things happen. That's the society we live in. And I don't like it. Somebody say amen. And, uh, if you love God, you don't like it neither. Amen. Uh, but what I'm saying is there are those that seek the opportunity. They give themselves more to the job. They'll go to work sick. They'll go to work hurting. They'll go to work. Listen, uh, uh, they'll be Johnny on the spot 30 minutes before work time in the break room drinking a, a, a cup of coffee, hope to God not smoking a cigarette, uh, but they'll get there 30 minutes early uh, and you know what I'm saying, uh, and uh, listen, they'll come to church early and they'll be there or go to work early and they'll be ready but then they'll drag into church 10 minutes late, uh, uh, always just bumping the time schedule, uh, never getting to church early. I'm going to tell you something, I think it's a sin uh, uh, to come dragging in church all the late all the time uh, unless uh, uh, you have got a reason uh, uh, beyond your control. Somebody say amen. Is that right? Don't teach your children to be late for church. Teach them to be early for church. You say, what do you mean? 15 minutes early. Somebody say amen. If you can show up to work early, surely you can show up to church early. Amen. You say, well, how do you do that, preacher? You just got to get up a little bit earlier, amen? Uh, listen, you got to get up and you got to get those kids to church. Uh, hey, if you drag in 10 minutes late for church all the time, you listen, mothers, you can blame it on the children. I got no sympathy for that. My wife raised two kids uh, and got them both to church early, amen, and got them here before time, not just on time, amen. I know what it's like and she does too, but don't use your kids for an excuse to be running late for church. Somebody say amen, uh, and don't use their sickness, an excuse to lay out of church, amen, we was always scared to death to do that, if one of them got a sniffle, uh, listen, I was always afraid, and she was too, that if you use their sickness as an excuse to stay home, God may let them get sicker, amen, right. something to think about, isn't it, well, we're having a great time now, I'm glad you gave me that card before the message, amen, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, where's our priorities at this morning? We do what we want to do. We sacrifice for what's important to us. Amen. And though things may hinder us from time to time, I'm not talking about that. There are people whose health is failing them and they would love to come to church on Sunday night, but they can't see to drive or they can't physically make it and they hate that and they, they want to be here. And I understand situations like that. And I ain't preaching to that outfit, amen. I'm talking about this crowd, amen, that's always just dragging in and dragging out. I'm talking about, friend, you ought to have more God in you than that. You ought to have more commitment to the Lord and more commitment to the church. Hey, even when the pastor's off preaching revival, guess what? You ought to show up on time for church. Somebody say amen. Don't lay out of church because I'm preaching a meeting. Amen. Got one amen over that. And don't complain because I'm preaching a meeting either. Somebody say amen. Had a lady come up only time, only one time I've ever heard a complaint in this church about preaching revival and I always try to be careful and regulate that and I try to make sacrifices to come back. There's times I've drove hours upon hours to get home uh, because I want to be here on Wednesday night. There's times I've told preachers I cannot preach uh, uh, this week uh, on Wednesday because I need to be at my church. Nobody has said that. I just want to be and I feel there's that need to be here. But I had a lady one time, she complained about it to somebody else uh, and so I just called her and I said, hey, uh, we 
darling, I need to see you just for a minute. And she came. I said, listen, you uh, you got a problem with me going off and preaching revivals? And of course, she didn't have one then. But I said, no, now you told so-and-so. And so we need to get to the bottom of this. And I said, I don't want this growing anywhere else. I said, if there's a problem, I said, let's talk about it right now. Amen. And she said, well, I just, I just feel like you ought to be here. I said, well, you talk to God about that. Ask him to shut every door, and I won't ever worry, we won't have to worry about it. Amen. Now, I know it's quiet, but it's true. And this is what I told her. She said, well, I just don't like to come if you're not here. I said, you ought to have more spirituality than that. That's preacher religion, and that don't impress me one bit. Somebody say Amen. We don't go to church for a pastor. We don't go to church for a preacher. I mean, we love the man of God, and I appreciate that. But I'm telling you, my allegiance goes far beyond the pulpit. Amen? It goes to the cross of Calvary this morning. It goes beyond this pulpit. It goes all the way to the cross. And listen, when the preacher's not here, you ought to be faithful. You ought to come on anyway. And this is what I told her. I said, I would love to trade places with you. She said, what do you mean? I said, man, I'd love to go to one service. Every now and then at Bible Baptist, it might be a little dry and dead, not because of the preacher. But I said, I'd love to go to one dead service. I said, how would you like to pack your bags, drive three or four or 500 miles and go to five dead services? Amen. Man, there's times I ain't even unpacked and I don't want to come home. Amen. I'm just telling you how it is out there, friend. And I'll tell you, the only thing that keeps me going sometimes is just the will of God, just the call of God. I don't know how I got off on all that, but evidently God wanted me to say something about it this morning. I'm just simply saying this. Uh, our allegiance needs to be to God, amen? And we can't, for, uh, listen, we can't forsake the Lord's house. Uh, listen, going to church must be a priority if we want our children to be dedicated and we want our grandchildren to live for God, if we want our church to march on, if we want this to be consistent, Sister, church must be a priority in our life. Cannot forsake the house of God. Again, I'm not talking about situations cannot be helped. I'm talking about what the Bible talks about here, choosing rather than not having a choice. I see also another sign of backsliding is that backsliders will face chastisement. Notice what he said in verse number 14. Is Israel a servant? Is he a homeborn slave? Why is he, so, why is he spoiled? Notice what verse 15 says. The young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste, and the cities are burned without inhabitants. Do you know what happens when Israel would backslide over and over in the Bible? God would pull back his hand of blessing. He would take away the blanket of security in their life. And he would allow the very gods that they worship and serve to infest their land and to, to bring it to waste and even take it into captivity. You know what that is? That's an example of our own life. That when we forsake God and we, we don't pursue God, we turn our backs on God and we start giving ourselves to some other thing of this world or some other person of this world, God just steps back and He withdraws His hand of blessing and God takes the blanket of security off our life and God allows the very world that we're living in, the very things that we love, that consumes us, that we give ourselves to, He allows those things uh, uh, to bring waste in our life and to even take us into captivity if we're not careful. And so what is that? that that's the chastening hand of God. And friend, rest assured this morning, those of us in this building that are saved, uh, when we stop pursuing God and we begin to backslide, God will allow chastisement in our life. Have you ever asked yourself, man, why is my life going this way? 
Why are things going so bad? Sometimes things happen beyond our control. And it's the will of God. But I'll tell you how to know the difference in that. There is a peace when you go through trials and you're right with God that's beyond understanding. But whenever we uh, self-inflict ourselves and God begins to chasten us, He always lets us know. Your father never whipped you without telling you that you were getting a whipping and why. And our heavenly father is no different. Many times when we backslide, things will happen. Maybe the car tears up. Maybe the, the plumbing, the pipe burst and, and you didn't pay your tithes. And God said, well, there goes your tithe money right down the drain. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Right. Or you get up that morning, you go to work and you come outside and you got two flat tires. And the Holy Spirit said, you should have wrote your tithe check. Amen. Or you go, uh, or you go home uh, and listen. Uh, uh, something happens there at the house, or you go to the mailbox uh, expecting to get a check, and instead you get an unexpected bill. And God said you should have paid your missions. Amen. I'm talking about, friend, that's just the way it is. Amen. If you're saved, you know what I'm talking about. Had a lady say one time, she said, well, I do this and it don't never bother me. I said, then you need to check up. Amen. Because what she was doing was wrong. It was against the word of God. And if you're saved, God will chasten you. You know what God will do? He'll warn us before we commit that sin. And then God will make us miserable while we're doing that sin. And then when it's over with, he'll whip us when it's done. Amen. All the while. He is reminding us through the whole process uh, that you belong to me, not yourself. Uh, You belong to me, not this world. Uh, And friend, if you be without chastisement, then the Bible says you're a bastard, not a son. Something to think about this morning. The sign of a backslider is that they face chastisement. Another sign of a backslider, notice in verse number 19, is that they lose respect and fear of God. He said in the, light, in the middle part of verse 19, Thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and that my fear is not in thee. You ever watch people get away from God and how they lose that fear? Brother David, they start doing things that six months ago or a year ago, they'd have looked at you and said, Man, that's wicked and wrong, and I'm never going to do that. But when we start getting away from God and we start drifting, and I say we, it only takes a little bit of drifting. To you know, here's what happens. You no longer see things wrong that you used to see wrong. You ever heard somebody make this statement? Why? I just really don't see anything wrong with that. You know, they're telling you the truth. Because they're blind and they cannot see afar off what First Peter says. When you start getting away from God, things don't look so bad. And other things start looking good. And the things that you once loved, like Bible, the Word of God, prayer, preaching, church, the saints of God, all of a sudden you lose your appetite and those things don't look so appealing anymore. But this over here, boy, this starts looking real attractive and and you don't really see anything uh, wrong with it anymore and you lose respect. Uh, All of a sudden that fear of God will begin to go away. And listen, you'll not fear church. You'll not fear the man of God. Hey, listen, we must all be careful we don't become casual in the house of God. You mark this down. People start coming in late all the time to church. They start sitting. They don't care if they're in the front or the back. They start looking on their cell phone while the preacher's preaching. Can I get a witness right there? You'll turn your cell phone off when you come to church. Somebody say amen. I mean, hit, listen, don't hit the mute button. Turn the thing off. Amen. It's sad we even got to say that, but I've seen people answer their phone in church. Have they lost their mind? You don't say hello in church. Amen. 
You don't listen. You don't even. You don't even open. Listen. Some people that, that you know. You can find out what kind of Christian people are too by their by their ringtone. Amen. I've been preaching in churches and Sweet Home Alabama go off. Come to find out, it's a pastor. Amen. Or his wife. Now you ain't right with God if your ringtone is Sweet Home Alabama. Somebody say Amen. Or he stopped loving her today. Amen. You know what I'm talking about? I don't care if it's George or Hank or, or listen, uh, or Willie or any of those other guys. Amen. Uh, uh, listen, uh, if, you're, if your ringtone ain't amazing grace uh, or if it ain't just something that nobody can identify with, you need to get right with God and change your ringtone. Somebody say amen. And then you need to turn it off when you come to church. Don't let that thing go off for five minutes in church and then get up and walk out the door with it ringing. Where's the respect? So, Brother Gravity, you know what? something? If you want to know the truth about it, I'm so, and it's where we're at today. But I told my wife one day, I said, it is nuts. The stuff we have to preach on. To this younger generation of adults that we, you never have to preach on this stuff. Social media has drove me about crazy. Amen. I got a sermon. I haven't preached it. I've had it for three months, Miss, Miss Benny May, and it's on technical difficulties. Because there's so many of them. And I, you better, it's coming to a pulpit near you. I promise you that. Amen. But I, listen, I, I thought about all the mess we're in today because of social media and Twitter and Facebook and all this crazy stuff. People can't operate. Listen, their cell phone is their third kidney nowadays. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? They can't function. I know I preached on it last week, but I ain't got it out of my system. Amen. I think I need to preach on it again. Uh, I'm just saying, Brother Charles, uh, uh, listen, we're in a mess. Uh, if you can't turn your cell phone off when you come to church, uh, I know it can be accidentally left on. Uh, uh, but friend, listen, there's some people, listen, they'll sit in church and they'll get on Facebook and they'll get on Twitter while the man of God's trying to preach, amen. And it ain't always teenagers neither. Brother, I'm telling you, we're in real trouble today, aren't we? There's more people, Brother Ellis mentioned the other day, hooked on pornography. And I think cell phones have become the biggest device of that. Because you can type in Genesis 1-1 and no telling what may pop up. Brother, I, I, we're in trouble today. Where's the respect? Right. Time for, uh, we ought to respect the, <clears throat> the man of God, <laughs> respect the deacons. We ought to respect the Sunday school teacher. We ought to, I think, and I think respect, if it's going to be, it, to, to have respect, you have to be respectable. Isn't that right? That means leadership has to live their life in a way where people can respect them and they have to respect the membership. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, uh, I, I've heard people talk to me in ways I'd never talk to them. Amen. And you have too. And I've seen it with other people. But I think we ought to give respect one to another. That means we ought to call each other brother, call each other sister. Amen. I don't call you by your first name. You ought not call me by my first name unless we put brother or we put sister in that. Isn't that right? That's just showing respect and it's biblical. Isn't that right? We don't need to tear down, uh, uh, listen, the respect in the house of God. Church has become too casual today. There's a man that preached for me several years in this pulpit. And I knew a dear friend of mine who to this day, he's still a dear friend of mine. But I knew one day sitting at the lunch table, he was in trouble. We were sitting there and he said to me, he said, what would you think if I came to preach for you 
And I didn't wear a tie to the pulpit. And I love him. I said, brother, if you preach for me, you'll always wear a tie. I'm not talking about if somebody came, brother Mar, if you came from work on a Wednesday night and I called on you to preach, I wouldn't care if you had a tie on. You know, because you just come from work. If I book somebody to come preach, they ought to wear a certain tie. Somebody say amen. Started a long discussion that was far beyond certain ties. And I was in the middle of that discussion. I said, brother, I said, you better pull the reins back. I said, you're going in the wrong direction. And I said, I love you. And I said, you're too good of a man of God. Don't you get sucked into this. And I'm telling you, friend, I sat there and I thought if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. I don't want to be influenced by that. Yeah, I don't have chapter and verse for a certain tie in the pulpit, but I can tell you it's a respect thing. Somebody say amen. I don't care. Listen, if, if all a man's got uh, bibbed overhauls and a, and a polo shirt, if, if he's got a nice button-up shirt, I don't think every man in this church has to wear a shirt and tie when they come to the house of God. You know that. I don't think there's nothing wrong with it if you do. But I understand some people are not comfortable that way. But I think you ought to look nice when you come to the house of God. I think you ought to look modest when you come to the house of God. I think we ought to, ought to all look decent when we come to the house of God. Hey, you're not come to church in flip-flops and a t-shirt. Is that right? Amen. We all respect God's house. We're coming to worship the King of Kings and we're coming to worship the Lord of Lords. I don't have nothing wrong with a man wearing a polo or wearing something nice but we ought to look respectable when we come to the house of God. Now what would you think about me this morning if I was standing up here in in a a t-shirt and a shell necklace and a pair of Bermudas and flip flops? Amen. Boy wouldn't I be a good looking thing. God help us. We got men. They say they're men of God, but can I just say this? I don't think a man of God looks that way. And I tell you how to know when you're backslid is when you start listening to that crowd that starts creating issues about that. I don't care what they wear. Just leave me alone. Somebody say amen. I know it's 12 o'clock, but you know you're backslid when you think you got to quit at 12 o'clock. Amen. Sunday's a whole lot of points rolling out this morning. I'm telling you, we're in trouble, friend, when people don't see nothing wrong with that mess anymore and everybody wants to accept it and everybody wants to say it's okay. Hey, listen, I believe, listen, you ought to not eat or drink in the house of God. Amen. I believe there's a fellowship hall for that, but I believe this is God's house and we ought to respect it. Amen. You don't come to church with a bag of popcorn and a Coca-Cola. Amen. But there's some churches you can pick you up a donut and a cup of coffee and go Go in and sit down in the house of God and hear a little sermon on Sunday. Friend, listen, when I come to church, I don't want to drink coffee and eat donuts. If I do that, I'll go to Dunkin' Donuts. Amen. But when I come to church, I come to magnify the Lord. I come to hear the word of God preached. I come to worship Him. Amen. All of that is, all that is, you know what that is? All that is this morning is a means to try to satisfy carnality. Amen. When you got to build a coffee shop in the foyer to have something going on, that's all that is. And people say, well, I'm trying to reach the world with the gospel. Then use the gospel. The gospel don't need a cup of coffee. Somebody say amen. Gospel don't need a donut. Amen. I'm just telling you this morning, the gospel will work. Amen. Amen. 
We got to get. We got to stay on the old paths. Uh, we got to walk therein. Amen. I'm not against. Uh, I listen to somebody having a Bible study, and if they want to drink some coffee and eat some donuts, uh, you know what I'm saying. I'm not against that by no means. Uh, but I'm telling you, you got to keep our. We have to keep our priorities in the right direction, friend. Uh, and when church rolls around on Sunday morning, and it rolls around on Sunday night, and it rolls around on Wednesday night, the emphasis has got to be on the Word of God. It's got to be on the worship of God. There's the main thing. Amen. We got to keep that going. I want to say this morning, that's a sign of backsliding, is when people don't reverence the house of God. Another sign this morning, and I'm going to close here in just a moment, is when people repent and repeat. Notice what he said in verse number 20. For of old time I have broken thy yoke. Burst thy bands, and here's what you said, Israel. Thou saidest, I will not transgress. When upon every high hill and under every green tree, thou wanderest, playing the harlot. You know what God said in this verse? God said, I broke your yoke and I burst your bands to show you. I've whipped you. And said, you'd repent and you'd say, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to transgress anymore. And God said, now look at you. Upon every high hill and under every green tree, you've got a God. You're playing the harlot. I wonder today... Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Preacher, I've done that. I've repented and I've repeated. Do you know there are people this morning that I have in my prayer book, and I'm not a prophet. I don't know nobody's future. But out of fear, there's a list of people that I pray for who has backslid that I pray they never backslide again for fear that God will take them home. And I believe that. I'm not a prophet. I can't see the future. But there are people that I fear if they ever backslide, it's their last. They may get right with God, but they will go home. I held the hand of a man one night late in the hospital. Probably about 2 o'clock in the morning, I went by and sat down by his bed and he wept and he told me this. He said, preacher, my life shouldn't end this way. He said, I'm dying early. He said, I'm saved. He said, but I know, he said, I know God's taking me home because I wouldn't listen. And he said, I remember the day you come by and I'm not anything. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, I remember the day you come by and you talked to me about missing Sunday school and how that I needed to get back in Sunday school. He said, and I didn't listen to that. He said, you don't know how many days God has brought that back to me dying of cancer. Friend, you can go home early. There comes a time when God gets tired of backsliding in all of our life. I remember a man that I went to his funeral that died and I remember him getting up in church and giving the testimony. He said, God has given me so many opportunities. And I said, I've been saved and backslid so many times and come back to the altar. And he said, I have got right with God this morning for the last time. He said, I'm not going back to the hog pen anymore. He said, if I go back to the world again, he said, God has showed me if I go back to the world again, he will take me home. And do you know that's exactly what happened to that man? Serious business this morning, isn't it? Many other things in this text that we see here in verse number 23. A backslider often lies and denies their own sin. They'll say, I've not gone after Balaam. A backslider in verse number 25, they lose hope and go further into sin. Thou hast said there is no hope. No, for I have loved strangers and after them will I go. Notice this in verse number 28. A backslider will run from God or run to God in their time of trouble. They ran from God in verse 27. They turned their back unto me, not their face, but in the time of their trouble, they will say, Arise and save us. 
But God says, where are thy gods that thou hast made? Let them arise. If they can save thee in the time of trouble. Isn't that what backsliders do? They'll run to the world and live like the devil. And when trouble comes, they'll run back to church. And God said to Israel, why don't you let them gods save you? Why don't you let the God of alcohol deliver you? You loved it and you drank it and you had no time for God. Won't you let the love of, of sexual perversion, won't you let that get you out of your hard times? God said, you, you, you didn't need me in the day of your pleasures, but now in the day of your perplexity, you need me all of a sudden. I'm going to tell you something else about a backslider. The Bible says in verse number 34 that a backs, listen to this, backsliding affects others. Also in thy skirts is found the blood of the souls of the poor innocents. Hey, look at me this morning. I know we're in overtime, but look at me this morning. Every one of us this morning, this pastor included, should often think about the repercussions of the daily decisions that we make. So you can backslide toting the King James Bible coming to a good church three times a week. That letting up in those areas of our lives, our children see them. Our grandchildren see them. I don't want to let up. I don't want to, I don't want to backslide. I got grand, a grandchild and got some on the way. And I wonder what kind of world are they going to live in 10 years from now? What kind of world are your children going to live in 10 years from now? And I'm going to tell you the only thing that's going to keep your children on the right path is a godly example of mom and dad. Can I tell you having a spirit-filled preacher is not enough. Going to a spirit-filled church is not enough. Bukus of them have failed underneath the shadow of a great church. But I'm going to tell you the ones that last is the one that see that godly example. You know why you're in that chair this morning? You'll agree with this. Because of a godly example. Isn't that right? A good mom and a good dad. But you knew God was real because He was real at home. I'm telling you, mom and dad, the things matter. Getting slack on God in areas of your life matters. Letting things come into your home and inviting things in that don't please God. If you care any at all about your children, it's almost like letting them play in, a, in the street. No parent in their right mind would let your children play in a busy highway. But it's just as foolish to be slack on God and let things go and think that they're going to be okay. Oh, listen, to lose their physical life in the middle of a street somewhere is to be one thing. But to sell your children out spiritually to the world, the flesh and the devil... It's a far greater crime to backslide. And I'll close with this. Backsliding, verse 37 says, brings misery. The Bible says their hands are upon their head. And a backslider will never be blessed. Look at what the Bible says in verse 37. The last verse says, And thou shalt not prosper in them. Verse 3, chapter 3 and verse 3, our last verse, notice what Jeremiah said. Therefore, the showers have been withholding and there have been no latter rain. Can I tell you something this morning? There's one thing I don't want God to ever do in my life. I don't want God to withhold the showers of blessing. I'm telling you this morning, I'd rather not have two nickels to rub together. I mean that. I'd rather live in a shack by the side of the road. I'd rather have a pillow, a stone, a pillow of stone. I'd rather have a hard ground to sleep on tonight.
I'd rather not know where my next meal is coming from and have the hand of God blessing me as to have my pockets full of all the silver and gold you can put in them. I'd rather, not, I'd rather walk as to drive a, a new car and not have God's blessings. How about it this morning? You know what A.W. Tozer said about backsliding? He said the only sure way to keep from backsliding is this, is to constantly pursue God. Do you know this morning what you have to do to backslide? I can tell you. You don't have to drink. You don't have to smoke. You don't have to play the lottery. You don't have to quit church. I'm going to tell you how to backslide this morning just like this. Just stop pursuing God. Just sit on a pew. Just come to a pulpit with another stale sermon. Just preach another, another outline. Just go to the choir and just sing. Just don't think about it. Just stop pursuing God. Just quit reading your Bible. Quit having that daily devotion. Just miss a little church along the way. Just don't do anything. Just don't pursue God. You'll backslide in a hurry. I wonder this morning as we stand, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. The fear of drifting from God ought to be the greatest fear in all of our hearts this morning. I want to stay close to Him. I need Him. I need Him to hold my hand. I need Him to walk with me every step of the way. I need to feel His touch. I need to hear His voice. I need to be in the center of His will.